Have you ever heard it said that how you do anything is how you do everything? I first heard this phrase eight or nine years ago, and I don't even really remember where. But when I first heard it, I thought, that can't actually be true. I actually really hated the thought of that and resisted it pretty intensely for a long time. But I'm 42 years old now, and I've been a psychotherapist for a little over a decade and seen hundreds of clients, which has been just a profound privilege. And in each of those scenarios with each client, the longer I've done this work, it seems more and more true. I'm still not fond of that statement, but I feel slightly less resistant to it as I've seen it in the lives of my clients, but also significantly in my own life when I'm really paying attention. When we look closely, we all have patterns of relating, survival strategies of how to get our needs met in the world that are often formed in our earliest relationships, in our families growing up, what was expected of us or what were the, the rules, spoken and unspoken, that we had to live into just to get our needs met. And it doesn't matter how good your family life was growing up or if you experienced significant traumas or harms, we all have these patterns and we all are often unaware that we have these patterns. We'll say things like, that's just the way I am. But underneath the just is a whole host of lived experiences that have gotten into our bones, into the fabric of who we are in the world and they shape how we show up. And so part of the work that we all have to do is to pay attention is to become curious about how am I showing up in the world? What does this thing I'm doing today tell me about how I might do everything? What are the subtle and unconscious patterns that are at play for me in this moment? I mean, really, it could be anything. It could be a fear of being rejected. It could be the sense of insignificance that what am I actually gonna do or say? that somebody else hasn't already done or said that's better? What am I actually going to contribute to the world? For me, all of this even folds into the intro to this podcast. You see, this is the second take of recording the intro. I recorded one yesterday, and as I was listening to it, it became abundantly clear to me that I was making myself smaller, I was stifling my own voice. It felt robotic. And as I listened back to it, I was like, who is that? And what is going on? Like, where am I in the recording of this intro? I don't know how you feel about listening to your own recorded voice, but for me, it's pretty disruptive. There's just this weird feeling about it, this weird sense of like, I know that's my voice, but I don't really recognize it or start to wonder like, do I really sound like that? That's so different than how I sound in my own head when I'm talking. So all of that to say that even in beginning this podcast, I'm reminded of how many opportunities we have from life to look at ourselves, to become curious, to begin to see our patterns, to begin seeing the why that shaped our patterns initially and put us into sort of an autopilot mode and to begin to connect with a deeper why, a sense of purpose and meaning, a sense of 
really showing up fully in the world and bringing our goodness to the world in a way that can be meaningful and so much more than just a repetition of our autopilot patterns that often keep us stuck. And with that, I'm really excited for this initial interview with my friend Jenny Bremer. Jenny is a practitioner of somatic body work and energy work and holistic counseling. And I don't think it's going to take too long into this episode for you to realize that Jenny has done a lot of her own work around discovering her deeper why, about really paying attention to her patterns and being very intentional about undoing locked patterns that weren't really serving her well and finding a more authentic expression of herself in the world. This conversation takes place just a couple days before she decided to pack up her car, minimize her belongings, and close up her local practice here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and hop in her car with her dog, driving into the southwest part of the United States, really with no major plan or sense of outcome other than just a sense of she felt like she needed to do it. I'm really excited to get into this episode with Jenny, but before we do that, you are listening to Why in the World, a podcast fueled by curiosity, with deep dive conversations exploring meaning, purpose, and why we show up in the world the way we do. I'm your host, Brian Nixon, psychotherapist, and this is episode number one with my good friend, Jenny Bremer. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Brian. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Good. So this we're just going to have a conversation okay. about you and about the work that you do in the world and sort of the why that fuels that. So Great. Yeah. So you started Remembered Practice mm-hmm. and you have a podcast called the I'm Just Curious podcast. I do. And so I'm just curious how you decided to do those things specifically. Where did Great those come segue, from? Great segue, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um why did I how did I start well I I mean I guess I could go all the way back to 10 years ago when I went to massage school and um out in Seattle Washington and that sort of led me to um working for a naturopath here in town who does a lot of mind-body connection work and um who we both know who we both know (laughs) yes um And in working with him, this technique that he was using called holistic counseling, I was like, I just, like, within a few sessions of working with him, I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that this is what I want to do. And um, How did you know? I I, I just, my whole body was like, my whole body just knew. My whole Mm -hmm. body was like, I need this. I want this. I want to do this. Um... And so I begged him to bring in Dr. Moshe Block, who created the technique. And, um, and yeah. And the technician in t- or the practitioner in town is Micah McLaughlin. It is, right. yeah. Okay. yeah. We can plug him. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Hi, Micah. Hi, Micah. Um, so, yeah, so he was able to bring Dr. Moshe in, and I learned that technique in a weekend workshop. And 
it felt like one of the missing pieces to my work because I felt like in the massage work that I was doing, I wasn't really getting to the root of like people's pain and suffering. And I was like, there's got like, I'm doing everything in my power to help these people not suffer anymore. And yet they're coming back weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, and they're still feeling the way that they felt when we first started working together. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that technique really felt like a missing puzzle piece. Um, but it was really difficult for me to integrate into the massage work because often people don't necessarily go to a massage thinking that they're going to be holistic counseled through it. Right. Um, they expect to lay there with some essential oils and right. some calming music. and Right, exactly. Um, I mean, even working for a chiropractor, that it just, yeah, it was, the intention's a little bit different. So, so when you first went to massage school, did you have a sense that you wanted to do that sort of deeper work with people beyond just the physical massage? Yeah, yes, but I didn't know what that meant or what that would look like. I knew from a very young age that I was good at listening and that I wanted to do something in the realm of helping people. There was a point in time where I wanted to be a therapist when I was very young, even though I didn't really know what that meant. I just knew mm. that like you get to talk to people. Um, so yeah, I always had a sense that I would end up doing something in the realm of working with people in a one-on-one -on -one sense. Mm. Um, and your work has, I mean, we've known each other for about half a decade, and over that time even, your work has evolved immeasurably. Oh, yeah, it doesn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's like almost hard to keep up with. Yeah. Yeah. So what what is that within you, do you think, that allows that much freedom to continue to evolve? I think it's a few different things. I think it's, number one... A commitment that I made to myself when I first started working with Micah, a commitment that I made to myself to be committed to my truth no matter what. Um, so that often looks and feels like just this no again, this knowing that I feel in my body that I can't always describe I don't know why it's there I don't know what it means if I step into it but it's like just this knowing that I have in my body of like this is like I'm, I'm feeling um, a pull in this certain direction and I don't know why and I don't know what it means but it just feels true hmm. in my body and it just feels like that's where I'm supposed to go like an intuition? Yeah, definitely an intuition. And it's, an, yeah, knowing. Um, so I just continue to get those pings, I guess hmm. you could call it. I, I continue to get those feelings and those messages. And it creates more suffering for me to ignore that than to experience the discomfort in stepping into the newness of it. Hmm. So I just keep taking one step after another. That feels like a, a discovery that is true, but it's really hard to 
catch on to in life, like that the resistance of, of the ping creates more suffering than following it. Mm-hmm. How did you how did you tune into that? Um the awareness, number one. Uh again working with practitioners who could reflect back to me like, hey, you're doing this thing that you're saying isn't actually working for you and it's creating suffering in your life and yet you're continuing to do it even though like there's this other thing that you say could feel really good to you and you're not doing it what's that about so getting really curious about that and having those people reflect those things back to me um, has been huge and then just the practice the practice, like remember practice, or um, no, the practice of the practice of awareness. I see of myself. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Hmm. I, I'm aware that we're like having this conversation at a super interesting time in your life too, where there's another one of those pings that you're not <laughs> ignoring. Um, you've you've been sharing a, an office space here at Mindful Counseling where I work. Um, and what you, you own, well, yeah, real. yeah, the practice that I own. Um, and you've been here for, uh, over a year, over a much year. longer than anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been seeing your clients out of here and, um, and a combination of that and online. Yes. Um, I've been a client of yours for a number of years, half a decade, half a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've benefited greatly from. So thank you for the work that you do. My pleasure. Um, but this, this interview is happening literally like days before you're about to set off on a new adventure. And so I'm wondering if you could tell us about that. Yeah, I'm a week and a half out. I think a little under a week and a half out. Um, tell you about it. Yeah. Uh, where do I start? Um, Basically, what I'm doing is just hopping in my car with my dog and driving. Um, I subleased my apartment and I'm selling most things and storing more valuable things that I want to keep. Um, And I've always wanted to go to the Southwest, so we're just going to drive and I'm taking my time getting there and Um, I got cute Airbnbs along the way that like even just that aspect of it feels so fulfilling and fun to me and brings up so excite so much excitement in my body Um, and yeah I've always wanted to go to the southwest and my best friend's mom who I've known since I was 11 happens to live in Santa Fe so perfect I'm gonna stay with her for a little while and I don't know I'm just gonna follow what feels good to me. I don't know if I'm looking for a new place to live. I don't know if I'm adventuring and then returning back here to Grand Rapids or something else altogether. I have no idea, Hmm. but I'm going. So that's a big ping to follow. Mm -hmm. Like, because you've, over the past half a decade, have established yourself in this community as a practitioner, as someone who's sought out, who has a, a name and a brand in the community. Um, and to just kind of uproot and follow that sort of inner thing like it's kind of interesting like and like 
that ping that you were talking about before, like it's more painful to ignore it than to follow it. And I'm just wondering, like, is that like, tell me like how that's working out right now in terms of, or how that's at play, not how it's working out. But yeah, I guess I didn't really take into consideration what you said about like what I've built here in Grand Rapids. Um, I mean, I'm aware of the community that I'm in and that there is some sort of association with who I am in that community. Um, so, I, yeah, it's interesting to think about that. I feel like I know so deeply that this is what I'm supposed to be doing next that it, I don't know, it just feels like there, there's a sense for me of I've sort of reached my capacity here in Grand Rapids and in the in the community. Like I feel like there isn't much more room for me to expand as big as I want to expand. And um, there's like a, personally, professionally, spiritually. Like what does that expansion above. mean? Okay. I feel very, yeah, it feels almost like a contraction or a, um, uh, yeah, it just feels like there's this bubble in Grand Rapids that energetically is keeping me contracted or small. And I've felt the discomfort and the suffering in that. And I have actually resisted it despite me like now going along with this knowing of like, okay, yes, it's time for you to leave town and do the thing that you've always wanted to do. I have resisted that for several months and have experienced the suffering in that. And it kind of just like in my experience, I find that I get to a point where I just get so sick and tired. Like I have the awareness of like, okay, Jenny, you're resisting this thing. And I just get to a point where I get so sick and tired of my own bullshit that I have to like <laughs> call myself out on it and 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 take action. So I definitely and, and it's like an interesting duality to feel the excitement of the new thing and also the overwhelming grief and sadness mm. of the other thing ending. It's really interesting to hold both of those things uh, at the same time. Yeah, that's an interesting tension. Yeah. And I, I would guess that's that tension is why it's hard to just kind of pull the trigger and do it. Like Absolutely. why there is some wrestling involved with it. Absolutely. And I think it takes so much self-awareness to be able to gauge because I've, I've second-guessed myself so many times and like, am I feeling this grief and this sadness because this is the wrong decision? Like, am I, and I, I mean, I, you could ask friends who I've texted repeatedly about this, like, and talked to repeatedly about this, like, am I making the right decision? Because this feels hard to like, even though I feel this contraction here in Grand Rapids, the letting go, I mean, it feels difficult. It, you know, the the ending, the death of something, even though it creates space for something new, it's it's still a death. Mm -hmm. 
So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like, like two things that kind of stand out to me as you're talking are the the idea of self awareness, and then you've mentioned a couple times already, like how you you can kind of feel things in your body, and then I guess there's three things, like the intuition piece of that too, and so. I'm curious, like, how have you, I mean, you've clearly done a lot of personal work to get to this place where you can actually tune into those things and have a sense of self-awareness in spite of, like, maybe self-doubt also going on um, and then tuning into your body and this intuition. Like, talk a little bit about the work that you've done to, to get there, if that feels okay. Yeah. Um... And, and I guess the reason I, I want to know about that is because I think it's so easy for us as humans in this world to like go through life on autopilot and literally live 80 years and never even think about any of that stuff and not make, certainly not make decisions based on it. And, and you're making a huge like shift in your life. You've made several huge shifts in your life. And, and so I, I think that's really valuable for people to hear like that there is this sort of other thing we can tune into and pay attention to that can be a guide and can serve us well so yeah and I I mean yes I've done a lot of work on myself and there are still moments where I feel like man it would be so much easier to be on autopilot yes (laughs) I have no shame in admitting that even though I'm so grateful for the awareness that I do have um the work that it's taken to get here, uh, I, uh, I guess maybe you'd like feel free to not have to talk about all of like what you've done in terms of personal work, but like I guess what was the sort of why underneath you like why you chose to do that much personal work? Because there's there's no way to do that kind of work without deep suffering. Hmm freedom Hmm. um i yeah i two of the things that i value most are freedom and truth and i don't feel like you can have one without the other and um i realized how much i had dedicated my life to taking care of other people throughout my childhood into my adulthood and making lots of decisions based on what would be best for the people in my life what would be best to keep the peace what would be best to for others you know it was I spent a lot of time abandoning myself, so um, yeah, I, I just realized I don't have to, like, I don't, uh, and again, working with practitioners helped me realize this, that, oh, I don't actually have to do that. I, and and so once I sort of got a taste of creating a boundary and experiencing freedom from a boundary or doing something and and I got like a little taste of what that freedom felt like it was like I want more of this I didn't Hmm. know this was possible and if this is possible then 
who knows what other, you know, what else is possible and how much freedom I could experience on an exponential level. So, and I also began waking up to all of the ways in which I was, it's kind of like a domino effect. It's like once one thing was exposed to me of how I was abandoning myself, it just, it's like it, you just continue uncovering layer after layer after layer and the freedom that I felt in that felt worth the suffering that came along with exposing it, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, so another thing to hold intention with the suffering and the experience of freedom. Yeah. And like you haven't chosen to go back. I don't know how I could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I know too much now. Hmm. I know... I know too much. Even in like my deepest suffering, I, and even in my deepest moments of suffering, when I have just like wished and wished and wished I could go back to being on autopilot or not knowing some of the things that I've known or not doing some of the things that I've done that have led me to where I am now, I... I still think to myself, no, like I, I can sense, like even in those moments of suffering, I can sense that there's something better for me on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. That's way more in alignment with who I am than what any of that other stuff was that I could go back to. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's almost like the idea is alluring to go back because there's some memory of things were easier when I wasn't paying attention. Seemingly. Yeah, seemingly, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, it's all relative. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and now there's this sense of like, like I get this sense of like, well, like in the name of your podcast, like the curiosity. It's like you got a taste of that truth and that freedom that it was even a possibility mm-hmm. and then you experienced some of it and then that just continued to sort of fuel your curiosity about what else is possible totally and, and like now we're here and you're getting ready to pack up all of your things and just hop in your car with your dog and take off into the unknown absolutely yeah i would say i have an insatiable curiosity and sometimes i really it drives me crazy. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I didn't have this such insatiable like curiosity. Um, but yeah, it's there. Mm. So yeah. it's a part of me. Mm-hmm. I think it's what you invite your your clients into as well. Like, and that's the work that you do on some level in remembered practice mm-hmm. with sort of the integration of body work and and holistic counseling and some of the other practices that you use it seems like is an invitation to other people to their curiosity like is that does that seem fair yeah I think that so I have I recently wrote out um like what I feel like makes up the foundation of my business and it's holistic counseling unconscious belief system exploration um and curiosity and awareness and daily practices. And I feel like really like curiosity 
absolutely makes up so much of the work that I do with people. Um, and often they're surprised that like, just by asking questions about like, well, what does that sensation in your body feel like? We get to an unconscious belief system that's been limiting them their whole lives. And, mm -hmm. and so it's really fascinating to see how bringing curiosity into the session opens up so much for mm -hmm. people. And um, Say a little bit more about like the unconscious belief system. Like, you know, I mean, that's a, a pretty loaded term in terms of what it could mean. And I would love to just hear, you know, and have everybody else hear kind of your thoughts on what is an unconscious belief system and how does it impact who we are and how we show up. And So an unconscious belief system is a belief system that we have taken on because of our environment, our caretakers, um, that we, it, it's almost like a program that's running without our knowing until we know it, but it's a, like a program that we run in our lives without us really being aware of it. So like, for example, we all have like one or two or three core unconscious belief systems within us that tend to show up consistently. So that could sound like I'm not worthy or I'm not lovable or I'm not capable or life is hard, life is, you know, any kind of belief system that sounds like that, that we took on from, again, a caretaker or our environment. Um, what was the other part of the question? Uh, just how do they, so that's sort of identifying what some of those messages could be or like the beliefs themselves. I think the second part of the question was like, how do they impact like how we show up in the world? I mean, I think they impact every part of our lives. I think um, as much as we try to separate all of the, and, and like decompartmentalize who we are, I think we are much more compartmentalized than we give ourselves credit for. And I feel like every aspect of our life from a physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual standpoint are all connected. So um, one belief system of I'm not lovable or I'm not capable could impact your relationship to yourself, to your partner, to your family, to your friends, to your work, to taking a trip or to creating a business or, I mean, I feel like it impacts everything. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so how would you suggest, because I mean, the chances of everybody listening, being able to be your client are not very high, but if you had like a thought or some ideas about practices maybe that people could do to begin to tune into to that because it sounds like what you're saying is like it, it'll show up in relationships um, and I don't know what, what your thoughts are on this but like for me it's hard to always identify the actual belief that's activated it's not like I can just kind of think for a minute and and it's like oh the the belief that 
I don't matter is at play here. And so it, it feels more like I catch myself doing certain things or like um, doing certain, like repeating certain behaviors or um, repeating certain relational patterns or re like there's some sort of a pattern to um, to the the way I am in the world that maybe is a clue to discovering what the what the message is. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that feels right or? Yeah, and I think it goes back to getting really curious. So um, I often will encourage people to, if they find themselves caught in a cycle, to get curious about, um, how do I break this down? It's hard to put it in a, in a in a, like an example, but say you're caught in a cycle in a relationship, um, and say you like it's in my brain. How do I put it into words? <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, so I think getting curious about you're editing this, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, So getting curious, when you find yourself caught in a cycle, getting curious about what you got there. Or if you, like for me, I notice that when I'm in a certain cycle, I'll say the same things to myself. Like I'll catch myself in the same narrative over and over and over again. And finally, at some point, again, when I get sick of my own stuff. Um, you can say bullshit. Okay, good. I yeah. didn't know if you were... <laughs> going to want to mark this as explicit or not. <laughs> um, if When I get sick of my own bullshit, I, I have this like split second where it's like, Jenny, ask yourself, why are you having this? Like, why do you keep saying this over and over again? So I'll ask myself, well, what does that mean to me? What does this statement mean to me? Um, or whose voice is that? Like if I catch myself saying like, I don't matter or whatever it is, um, or like I can't pack all my stuff up and drive across the country. Well, whose voice is that? Why do I believe that? Where does that belief come from? Um, and just continuing to ask myself open-ended questions that aren't yes or no questions. So I can't drive across the country. Well. Why not? Because that you just don't do that. Like I'm supposed to have a nine to five and I'm supposed to do this and that. Well, who says you're supposed to do that? Well, my parents, and I'm not saying that this is like what my parents are yeah, telling me. Yeah, just an but example. Yeah. Well, oh, my parents are saying this. Okay, so do I actually believe this or is this a belief that they put onto me that I took on subconsciously? So just getting really curious about where that comes from. And it, I think that if you're in a partnership, talking about wherever it is that you're getting stuck. Um, so sometimes that means like if you're in the middle of a conversation and you find yourself 
at a place where you want to say a certain thing or you have a certain emotion that continues to show up in the conflict, maybe you say it out loud to your partner and then you guys can talk about that and explore that a little bit and get curious about what that means to you, what that means to them, and kind of go from there, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Talking about it, being curious about it. And it sounds like what you're saying is inviting other people into the conversation that could just be your own inner dialogue, but putting it out relationally. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. It's great to have somebody mirror back to you your stuff. Well, sort of great. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that from a perspective of not having someone mirror something to me right now, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. hurts so good. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great description. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a lot of trust, I think, to invite somebody into that space because that's I mean that's pretty vulnerable spot to say like how do you experience me and what are you noticing about how I'm being relationally or how I'm making decisions or how I'm choosing making my life work or not work or whatever absolutely and especially because we are as you and I have talked about and I've heard you talk about at length is that we are hurt in relationships and so to be able to be vulnerable with others and open ourselves back up again is the best way to heal those parts of us Mm -hmm. and so all that to say it's difficult Mm -hmm. because of that interesting again juxtaposition I suppose yeah absolutely yep and so courageous I think because it's like that reality of being hurt in relationships And then the unconscious patterns you're talking about that probably, not probably, that often will send us back into a similar situation again and again and again Mm -hmm. um, without us even seeing it happening to to then know that that's a possibility and still choose to ask for feedback from somebody you trust or ask what their relational experience of you is or what, what do they notice. Like that's opening yourself pretty wide open. So I'm curious, can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm curious. I kind of want to direct the same question back to you about, because I know that you're doing your own inner work as well, huh. and in talking about the cur- the courageousness of doing the work, I'm curious what it is for you that... Um, allows you to keep showing up for yourself in your work like what continues you down that path Hmm. I think that's a fabulous question Um, the first thing that just jumped off the top of my head was um, meaning Uh, I've for a number of years been horrified by this thought of like being towards the end of my life and wondering like what the hell was that all about Mm. you know getting there on autopilot and looking back with just this realization of like I never actually fully showed up in my life Um, and so I think you know without a whole lot more deep thought into it there may be other things in there I'm sure there are um, but that's the one that jumps off the page most most explicitly it's a good one Mm -hmm. yeah I want to be able to get to the end of my life and exhale and be like, that was a good life. Mm, yeah. And I think that's probably 
a majority of the humans on this planet probably share that same worry. Hmm. So interesting to hear. Yeah, and I, I think in, in my experience as a psychotherapist, like there are a, a number of people that do share that feeling. Like I think I think we all bear the weight of that at some level and largely probably unconscious, but um but I think that autopilot wins out so often for most people. Um, I shouldn't say most people, I don't know that for sure, but like, um, I think a lot of us, a lot of people stay asleep their whole life and do sort of have this panicky moment at the end of their life where they realize, and you know, as they face their own mortality, like, I, I, what did I do? Like, what was that? What, I don't even know what that meant or what it was. and. Um, and because I think there's so many ways to stay asleep, to stay unconscious, and um, and so yeah, I think I think it is in all of us, and I think it's probably the source of a lot of what we call anxiety or or other sorts of things like that. Um, and you think that's a choice to stay asleep? No, honestly, I don't. I mean, yes and no, I guess. Um, I ask because this is something I've been reflecting on myself lately, so I'm curious what you're... Well, I think it's kind of what you alluded to earlier. Like, there are these subtle pings that can be sort of easy to not notice um, that can cue us into that. But Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that people are often saying, like, there is this deeper path that I could take, and I'm just going to choose not to. Um... Or I do feel this sense of wanting my life to be full and meaningful and um, and I'm not going to choose that. Like, I don't think that's happening all that often. I think people are generally doing the best they can with what they know. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I've had that thought and I think what it is about, and I should say this word ping I got from... I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with Lacey Phillips from To Be Magnetic, and she has mm-hmm. a, a podcast called Expanded. It's a she, good title. It is, yeah. She um, uses the word ping, and so I borrowed that from her. So I just want to give her credit where credit's due. Shout um, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just am continually so curious about that, though, what it is that in some people they can feel that subtlety of like the ping or a little voice or a tiny little sensation or whatever it is and I'm always curious about what it is in someone that allows them to hear it or latch onto it or like listen to it or you know because I think like you said some of us do hear it and feel it and we go with it and some of us may feel it and don't know what it was and don't know what to do with it Mm -hmm. so it's just interesting to that's what I've been reflecting on lately yeah that's deep (laughs) I, I don't know where my mind goes with that is sort of the idea of like what does it cost people to hear the mm-hmm. ping and to pay attention to it and and That's then to the follow it. That's the million-dollar question. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it can cost so much. Yeah. Like it can cost relationships. It can, you know, like 
your life might be sort of structured in a certain way based on like what you said your family growing up or um, caregivers or however that that structure was and um, there can be all sorts of unspoken rules expectations um, all of that and that can be woven through not just family and, and caretakers but it can also be woven into like your community and the people that you do relationship with and all of that sort of thing and and so sometimes to, to really pay attention to the ping could mean a lot of people get really pissed off or you lose a sense of your own identity within your your community mm-hmm. like you could people could get really upset people could disown you people could reject you or judge you or there's so many things that that could happen that would be a tremendous cost and so I think I don't know that's probably a large reason why a lot of people find ways to numb it or ignore it or mm-hmm. defer it or mm-hmm. and I think for me that's where the choice comes in is when I notice the ping and I realize what it would cost me there's a choice that has to happen between choosing myself or choosing this old story and because I have I mean my whole I feel like my whole life has been deconstructed especially over the last year but even over the last five years when I began working with Micah and um, yeah major deconstruction it's cost a lot and and I don't say it's cost me a lot in a way of like oh man it's cost me a lot like ah. hmm. I mean it in a way of like well I guess it goes back to the suffering that we were talking about so mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'm thinking about what we're talking about now and there's sort of this you mentioned like how did you say it um, you can either continue to follow old narratives or you can choose yourself and in the like following old narratives like my, for some reason my mind thought of like remembering mm-hmm. like needing to remember what are the old narratives and um, and then that made my brain bounce to like the name of your practice remembered practice and so like I'm fascinated by how people choose to name their businesses or brand create brands or whatever they do but you named your business remembered practice and so I'm can you tell us a little bit about where that name came from yeah I remember when I was going to open my business I sat down with a pad of paper and I had no idea what I wanted I want I felt like I wanted the word practice in my practice name because I feel like everything in life is a practice I don't feel like we're ever truly an expert at anything Um, and I may decide that I'm wrong in that at some point when I become an expert at something who knows (laughs) but (laughs) um, but I sat down with a notepad and I was like okay what words sound good with practice that kind of go with like health and wellness and um, I like all of these R words were coming to me and then the word remembered came and I was like that's interesting because I feel like 
so much of my work is about choosing yourself and creating your life and I feel like in that you have to continually practicing remembering to come back to yourself and you have to remember to practice all of these practices that bring you back to yourself and mm. so I feel like there's like meaning in both words and you could like switch it around and so mm. yeah it just felt like remember to practice and practice remembering exactly yeah it's mm. good yeah thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> So as you are getting ready to like head out of West Michigan for an undetermined amount of time, what what will happen with remembered practice and with your podcast and like like what are, what are your thoughts or plans for that? I know we've talked a little bit about that, but just in case there are people out there that are wondering like what is Jenny gonna do? Um, so the Okay, so I have two answers to that. The first one is, I don't fully know. Fair. The the second answer is, I'm still working with people virtually, um, and I'm accepting new clients. Um, And my podcast, my dream for my podcast is to just meet really interesting people wherever I land and have a conversation about their story. Mm. Um, I feel like people sharing their story is the way that we, is one of the ways that contributes to healing ourselves and healing the collective and um, just lets us know that like we're really never alone even Mm. when we think that we've experienced the worst of the worst um there's somebody out there that can relate in some way and hold space for that so yeah just listen to people's stories and share people's stories and um learn something from them and yeah who knows I don't know I know that I'm super driven by watching people rewrite their narratives and create their life based on the truth that's within them. So I definitely plan on still working with people one-on-one, but I don't know, I don't know what beyond that. I don't know if anything will shift or change or be birthed out of that. I don't know. I'm staying Hmm. open to whatever happens. Yeah. So working remotely, like who who would be a good fit to work with you? Like, how would you describe sort of the ideal client or the ideal person to contact you and say, I, I want to work with you? The ideal person that would be a great fit for me is someone who is wanting to or already going through transformation. So, um, like, of their entire life, basically. Um, I really, really enjoy working with people who want to change their life for the better. Um, I enjoy working with people who value truth and freedom and, um, yeah. Great. 
So for the people that are listening, that are intrigued by what you're saying, that feel some sort of ping themselves maybe after hearing what you've described, and they did decide, I would like to work with her, how can they find you? Where, where would they search the interwebs for you? They would search the interwebs. Um, at So you can find me at rememberedpractice.com. Um, my handle, is it handle on Instagram? I think that's what they're sounds called. What, sounds what the cool kids are saying. Yeah. Uh, Remembered Practice. Um, I'm also at the I'm Just Curious Podcast on Instagram. The I'm Just... I'm just curious podcast.com. Um, and you can always email me at rememberedpractice at gmail.com. Awesome. And I will put all of that in the show notes as well. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being on. You're welcome. All right. So that was my conversation with Jenny Bremer. And it was a real delight for me to sit down with her and have this conversation before she heads off into the Southwest. It was so rich and meaningful to talk about how to get to the root of our own pain and suffering, how she's done that personally, how she's able to tune into her deeper sense of why in the world by listening to her own intuition, by following the wisdom of her body, and by being able to tune into her own bullshit long enough to let it disrupt her enough to do something about it. Jungian analyst James Hollis writes that the recovery of personal authority is a daily task imposed upon all of us by the soul. Usually we will try to avoid such soul demands as long as we can by repressing the agenda of the soul as long as we can, at least until the suffering becomes intolerable to ourselves or those around us and we are obliged to pay attention. As each of us has been conditioned to experience authority as external to us, and has internalized such admonitions and agendas and reflexive responses as our own complexes, so it proves difficult, even intimidating, to take on the task of personal authority. And I'm not sure if Jenny has ever read these words by Hollis, but it seems that she definitely has a deeply embodied sense of the truth of them and has been able to tune into her own wisdom, move past old patterns that weren't serving her well, And I would say she would probably say that she's still in that process, as are we all. And so my hope as you've tuned in and listened to this, that you will hear some of the echoes of your own autopilot and begin to become curious about what your deeper sense of why in the world might be. 